Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Well, Field, he's going back to Pittsburgh on a one-year deal. What's interesting here, of course, is that he was talking to the Baltimore Ravens and had a more significant financial offer from the Ravens and considered taking it, so much so that he was talking to Lamar Jackson on the phone. Lamar Jackson was extolling the virtues of the Baltimore organization. And I think there was a part of Drew that might have been tempted. Now, in the end, ultimately, he could not pull himself away from the city and the organization that he says he loves. And so he stayed in Pittsburgh on a deal that will pay him less than the one he could have gotten from the Baltimore Ravens, about the same as the one that he could have gotten from the Kansas City Chiefs, who made a push this morning to see if they could get Juju to come to Kansas City to be a wide receiver in the offense with Patrick Mahomes. But he looked at Baltimore, he looked at Kansas City, and ultimately decided, I am not ready to leave Pittsburgh. Love the city and the organization and the fans. Too much to go. And so he reaches agreement with the Pittsburgh Steelers on a deal that is less than the one he could have gotten elsewhere. Well, there's Adam Schefter with the news that Juju Smith-Schuster is returning to the Steelers. Kurt, we spent the last few weeks talking about all the Steelers players that are leaving the team, all the big names. uh, But nobody saw this one coming except you. You're the only one who saw this coming. You actually (laughs) predicted this in one of your uh, articles. So I just want to say congratulations. That was a great call. Love it. Juju Smith-Schuster's back. And as Schefter said, at a good price. So what's your reaction to that? Sure. I mean, I think the fact that, you know, I mean, I'm glad he came back. I knew the longer he sat out there on the market, the the chances were better that he would return. You know, and I think they really did get a good deal. I think that the, the NFL now has created this environment with these voidable years to help teams get players for this season at cap numbers that are a little more manageable for them. And then they can sort of look to next season as to what to do after that. I know people are looking at it, you know, $8 million or whatever it may be for the entire contract. But I mean, his cap number for this season is 2.4 million. Yeah. You can't complain about that. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. He, he does everything for the team. I know some old school fans don't like his off field stuff, all those kinds of things, but I honestly don't care. I, I'm glad he's coming back. I don't feel like it was at the expense of anyone else. I know that's the big complaint that a lot of fans have is that the, because of the timing of it, it looked like the Steelers released Steven Nelson to sign Juju Smith-Schuster, and that just simply isn't the case. They didn't need that much cap space to bring Juju back. The the $8 million that they freed up releasing Steven Nelson was a, just just coincidence that it all happened the way it did, but I don't feel like they, they made a trade. I don't feel like they had to choose one or the other. I think if Steven Nelson would have been willing to restructure his deal, he would have stayed. I think it was awesome that that Juju decided to go away from, like I said, probably the two best teams in the AFC wanted him, and he chose to come play for probably the fourth or fifth best team in the AFC. So we we talk about loyalty, and fans love to complain when guys leave. Well, then don't complain when a guy's willing to come back. You know, that's that's loyalty that you, you just don't see much of in the NFL. In terms of the Steelers wide receiver room, I agree with you 100%. Like, I like Deontay Johnson. I like Chase Claypool, who we have to get to here in a minute. Uh, James Washington, <laughs> Ray Ray McLeod. I like the wide receiver room if they had to go without Juju. 
but there's just not I just feel like he's the glue of the room uh, you know what I mean I just feel yeah. like when you gotta have a third down would you rather have yep. Big Ben throwing it to Deontay over the middle or Juju Smith-Schuster on a gotta have it third down it's Juju Smith-Schuster so and this new offense that Matt Canada is bringing in I mean if he really is going to implement you know some concepts from that Maryland offense he asks his wide receivers to block a 10 I mean they do a lot of runs on the perimeter they do a lot of that outside zone and there, there aren't many wide receivers in the NFL that can block better than Juju can. And so that had to play a role in this. They need guys. You know, him and Chase Claypool out there on the edges are like having a couple of tight ends out there blocking. And so I think that definitely played a, a role in this, how he's going to fit in this new offense. I think that the team probably is, you know, sort of holding their breath to find out if Deontay Johnson's going get, to get past the yips and he's going to be able to be a an every-down kind of guy for the Steelers, or is it going to be – more situational for him this year. Yeah, I, I, it makes perfect sense to me to have him back on the team, even if it's only for one more year, even if they decide after this season to, to blow the team up and use their $140 million in cap space to just completely revamp everything. Um, I'm okay having one more year of him, maybe one more year of Big Ben. That, that works for me. As Schefter said in that clip we played, he took less money. I thought Smith-Schuster would command more than that. I thought he would command double figures. I mean, when you compare him to the guys that signed one-year deals like Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders, Keelan Cole, like he's right there with them. He's only behind Will Fuller, I think, right? But ahead of those right. other guys, and that's that's where he should be. Like I feel like the contract is kind of right, and as Schefter said, probably team-friendly to a degree. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more of a of a reflection of the market than than – than the players. Sure, yeah. You know, I think I think you you're gonna see four or five of these free agent wide receivers that sign these one year deals really come out and impress people. I, I think that they these teams really got some some deals. You know, they got some bargains with these guys. And so I think it's more about the market. I think it's the same thing with the running back position, while you still have some running backs sitting out there that are probably going to get signed later and and really contribute for their teams. But yeah, I don't I don't begrudge teams for trying to get value where they can, but I definitely don't think these one-year contracts are a, uh, a reflection on these players as, as there's something wrong with their game. Just because a team or two is willing to overpay for a free agent wide receiver and give them a great big massive long-term deal doesn't mean those other guys getting less means they're less of a player. We, we see franchises make mistakes like that every year. You know, we, we see franchises go out and decide to shoot their shot with a, a player or two and pay a little more than what anybody expected. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, speaking of the wide receiver room, Kurt, I, I saw this thing this morning and I saw your tweet and then I'm like, oh, what's going on with Chase Claypool? So Chase Claypool's out in Southern California at a bar and he gets involved in a scuffle outside the bar. And I just I feel like a, I'm only in my mid 30s, Kurt, but I feel like an old man. It's just like yeah. Claypool, you got plenty of money. Yeah. It's fr- it's still a freaking pandemic. Yeah. Like, can you just can you go find like a, an island to go on vacation and just go hang? Like, take a close group of fr- yeah. friends and get the hell out of the public. Like, what are you doing? Exactly. And another thing. Yeah. My take on the situation, Kurt, is if you're gonna film a bar fight that involves a celebrity like Chase Claypool and you're gonna sell it to TMZ, can you hold it horizontal, please? The oh, vertical, the- oh, the vertical, the vertical video drives me crazy. 
Um, you so, know, 2021, you'd think people have that figured out yeah. by now. It's yeah, like yeah. you're videotaping on a walkie talkie or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why people feel like they still have to do that. Yeah. As the great Childish Gambino would say, hold it horizontal, be a professional. I don't know if you get the reference. It, exactly. There it exactly. Is. What do you think about this whole thing? Exactly. Well, I think that, I think that that's kind of what I said this morning. I said that if you're a, if you were already a Chase Claypool fan and your team, team Mapletron or whatever, you're going to kind of play this off like it's no big deal. You're going to kind of diminish, you know, the, the the potential impact of this. If you're a guy who is already on the fence about Claypool or not a fan, you're going to make this into the a, a much bigger deal. You know, they're going to there. There's very little middle ground when it comes to an incident like this for for Steelers fans. They're either going to come to the guy's defense or they're just going to you know vilify him and. It was the worst thing, you know, 32 seconds in, it certainly looks like he tried to kick a guy in the head. Um, you know, the, the conversations on social media have, have been sort of varying how, how severe that was, whether it was a big deal or not. I think prior to that point, I felt like he was just kind of trying to stir his own guys up to get them going. You know, he's kind of running around the pile and, and pushing guys into the pile a little bit to try to try to keep things moving. Why he chose to make that move at the end, I have no idea. But unfortunately, if, if fans who weren't a big fan of kind of his antics anyway and kind of the stuff he does, he just poured gas on that fire for them. Uh, personally, I don't care. I, I, you know, it was a dumb decision. You know, you're going into your second year. You have a chance to be a literal superstar in the NFL. I mean, this is – he has the opportunity to be probably the best wide receiver – the Steelers have had since Antonio Brown was at his best. I mean, he's that physically gifted. Just, just don't get yourself caught on video kicking a guy in the head. You want to, you want to go out with your buddies and and whatever, but you go into the Wild Goose Tavern or whatever it was, you know, and come on, and decide to take a fight out to the parking lot. And what do you expect to happen? I mean, you can't do, you can't make a move without somebody recording it. And and he's a he's a recognizable guy. I mean, that's the thing. He's he's in a part of the country where he's already known, and he's he's a pretty distinct-looking kid, you know, with the long hair and everything else. It's not like he can be inconspicuous. I just – I hope that between now and, and OTAs and training camp and stuff, this is no longer a conversation. I, I hope this isn't something that drags on. I saw people comparing him to Marquise Pouncey after what Pouncey did to, to Miles Garrett a couple of years back on the field in the Mason Rudolph thing. And obviously context matters. I mean, that was a whole different situation, but I hope by the time we get to get the actual football, nobody even cares about this anymore. Claypool has every reason in the world not to be at that bar. You can just go down the list. There's a list of reasons why he should not be at that bar. And uh, it's unfortunate. And I now, I guess, I guess we got to hope that the video is so crappy Again, yeah. got to hold it horizontal. Uh, that yeah. you know, I, I'm sure the NFL is going to investigate, and if they find out that he tried to kick a guy in the face or slam someone's head in the asphalt, as that TMZ report had, then are we really going to yeah. have to deal with a suspension for Claypool to start next season? That's not a great way to right. kick off the season, Kurt. It's just annoying, no. really, more than anything. No. It's like I'm not like mad about it. It's just like it's annoying. It's annoying that the team and that everyone's got to have to deal with this crap. Like it's just so ridiculous i i can't i can't get started on that we just got rid of <laughs> one you know we're just just barely free of antonio brown and we're, we're still dealing with some juju stuff i i don't need chase claypool what about these wide receivers i don't there's something wrong with all of them i think yeah it's a it's a diva position there's no question about it so as uh so we'll move on as kurt said steve nelson was released 
I want to get your thoughts on that. And also, we, we could start looking forward to the draft, what the Steelers might do on day one and maybe early on day two. So we'll get into all that coming up next. All right, Kurt. So as you said earlier in the show, Steve Nelson officially released. So with the good of Juju being back, um, another guy exits. And I guess, how do you feel now about the Steelers at corner where they're at right now entering the draft or maybe the second wave of free agency? I mean, you still got Joe Hayden. He's 31 years old, but plenty in the tank. You got Cameron Sutton. Then you got a youngster in Justin Lane. Is Lane going to be the nickel corner? Like, are those the big three going into the next season? Are, Are there moves to be made? Like, what do you think about that position? Right now, as it's I think I think cornerback is is definitely going to be a need. I I think that I, I like Cameron Sutton. I think he's probably better suited to play a boundary. I think he'll take Nelson's spot. I think that replacing Mike Hilton is going to be the the problem. I I really think that I don't I don't know that Justin Lane is a is an inside corner. I don't think he's quite physical enough. But clearly, the Steelers see something in him, you know. And the other guy they probably see something in that looked pretty good late in the season is James Pierre. He was another guy that came in as kind of a hybrid safety corner, um, played for him a little bit down the stretch. They might be looking looking at him as that inside corner. Um, he's a little more physical. Um, but, no, I, I definitely think that um, – I mean, I guess there's two ways to look at it. What, what would I do and what do I think the Steelers are going to do? I think the Steelers are probably going to be peaking at free agency after the draft, looking for a veteran slot, um, a guy they can put inside. Um, if it were me, I would probably draft a, a corner to play inside, but that that has more to do with the fact that, you know, the, the, the Steelers chose Joe Hayden basically over Steven Nelson. They had two guys that they, they couldn't keep both of them at their salaries. They didn't want to ask or, or chose not to ask Joe Hayden to take a restructure. They chose not to release him. The, the money was going to be almost identical. Um, instead, they pick a guy three years older. You know, that's that was the front office's call to make. Um, but even at that, you know, Hayden's 31, going to be 32 during the season. Uh, they have to start thinking about who's going to who's going to replace him. And so I, I would like to see them think about a corner in the draft, but I, I would suspect it's going to be more of a of a veteran signing. Um, they're doing something right now to stockpile a little extra salary cap money. So I don't know if they're going to make a move on a corner they're going to make a move on offensive linemen. But I just have a feeling they're, they're building for something here. They've let kind of the market settle a little, and now they're, they're, they're kind of looking around. You know, I talked last week about how I figured the news this week would be contract moves, and that's kind of what we've seen. They've signed a few of their own to some small deals. They've let some guys leave, you know, done a little restructuring, things like that. So I, I kind of feel like they're maybe going to make a move here. They're going to pull a little bit of that money back for the draft class, and then, and then kind of see where they go. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned, I mean, at multiple levels. I mean, you're looking at five new starters on defense this year, you know, to start the season that didn't start that didn't start the start of last season. We have guys that are going to be returning who had starts last year. But as far as the starting 2020 defense, there's going to be five new faces in 2021 minimum. From all levels of the defense too, right? Corner, yeah. linebacker, yeah. defensive line, like and all these D-line, starters yeah. are gone. Yeah, so yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you keep mentioning that veteran. You know who's still out there, Kurt? Richard Sherman. I don't know if I brought that name yeah. up on the on the podcast. I'm sure I have. Richard Sherman's yeah. still just sitting out there. Oh, he's yep. waiting for someone to sign him. He could look good in yeah. the Steelers uniform. And then Quentin Dunbar. I, I think he'd be great. Quentin Dunbar of the Seahawks still out there. So maybe in mm-hmm. this second wave of free agency, we see a move. It, you know what? Corner would be a great position for the Steelers to double dip. 
sign a veteran and then draft yeah. a, a rookie on day one or maybe day two? Late day two, yeah, I'd be fine. They have two, you know, they got two fourth round picks. Maybe use one of those fourth round picks on a guy. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. So looking at that, I checked out the Steelers wire mock draft you guys had, and it basically, basically, I just charted the positions you guys were kind of targeting in each round, and I didn't. It's probably not a coincidence, Kurt, that you guys targeted defensive back, linebacker, and edge in the first three rounds. So that's really, really focusing on the defense early in the draft, and then getting to running back and offensive line, maybe a tight end, stuff like that. But do you think the Steelers are going defense? pretty heavily early in the draft? I think it will be more of a mix probably than what I did. Um, when I when I do those simulations, I just follow the value on the board when when the pick comes up. And so I think if, a, if an offensive lineman is available in the second round, I could definitely see the Steelers, you know, mixing, you know, in those first three picks, making, mixing an interior offensive lineman into that fold pretty easily. But I think that the fans, like the fans, hated that mock draft. I mean, I took, I got so much hate for that mock draft. It's season four, you know. Oh my gosh, the the, the idea of three defensive players, um, you know, in the in the first three picks when the offensive line is so bad. Well, let's let's be honest, guys. I mean, the offensive tackles. I feel like the Steelers know who their offensive tackles are going to be. I think it's going to be Zach Banner and Chuk Zakorafor. I don't I don't think they're going to draft an offensive tackle in the first round. Um, to plug in as the starter. I think they signed Banner to play left tackle. And I, I unless something changes, I, I see no reason to believe that the Steelers are going to do anything at offensive tackle other than draft a, a depth player. So center, absolutely. If they could get a great center, there's a couple of really good ones in this draft. But I don't know that I'm taking any of them at 24. So I think, it, you know, unless you're part of the, the cult of Najee, De- uh, Najee Harris that Steelers fans have formed, where he can he's the only oh, possible first-round pick. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, there yeah. are some people that refuse to have anybody else be the pick but Najee Harris. <laughs> defense makes sense. I mean, there's, there's needs on defense. I mean, do, do you feel comfortable with Robert Spillane as a starting inside linebacker? Do you feel comfortable with, you know, James Pierre's are starting nickel corner. You know, do you feel comfortable with, with Chris Wormley as your starting nose tackle? I mean, I'm not. I mean, those aren't positions where I feel, you know, do you feel comfortable with Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt getting all the reps at outside linebacker because every other outside linebacker on your roster is gone except for Cassius Marsh, you know, who, yeah, who? I mean, that's kind of the, right. you know. And so I, I definitely think that defense is – is more incomplete at this point. Um, yeah, absolutely. They could use a more dynamic running back. Absolutely. They could use a center, but if you don't think the Steelers are going to feel okay, starting BJ Finney week one, you're kidding yourself because they plugged him in there at the starting lineup before. I mean, I think they're, they're completely confident with Finney starting a few games, you know? So I, I really, you know, the, the Steelers are going to be in a nice spot when they hit that 24 overall pick because there's going to be p- players at four or five of those positions that they're going to have to pick from. And I've, I've sort of lobbied all along that I feel like a, direct, a trade back maybe to the, you know, first six or eight picks of the second round, maybe try to recoup that fifth-round pick that they don't have anymore. That, that's what I would do and just see who's there because – Right now, the difference between the 24th best guy in the draft and the 35th best guy in the draft really isn't very different to me. Yeah, I agree with you. And this is this is a kind of this is an interesting draft in the fact that teams are going to be 
battling for quarterbacks early on, right? There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks picked in the top 15. Teams are going to be either picking their quarterback or trying to move up in line to get their quarterback. And that's going to that's gonna make 24. Like, there's going to be better players at 24 than maybe we've seen in past drafts just because yeah. teams are so hungry for that quarterback thing, Kurt, and so many teams yeah. need them, right? I mean, there's so many teams out there with bad quarterbacks or, or can't figure out the quarterback situation. Which brings me to the Steelers, actually. Looking at these, <laughs> looking at this mock, there's no quarterbacks on this board. Not even a late no, flyer. So, no. do you think there's no chance? Let's leave it there. Is there any <sighs> shot they draft a quarterback? I don't think so. I mean, I'd love to see him do it. I mean, I did a I did a post on some sleepers, um, and I really like the kid from Stanford, Davis Mills. I think he's a he's a kid that can be in the the middle, third, fourth, fifth round, and really develop into a starter. But I think they feel pretty confident with what they have behind Ben, or at least they, they want to see what they have. Um, the way people are talking, I mean, the top five quarterbacks are all going to be gone way before they get get the one at 24 anyway. There was a time when, when a couple of those guys were falling in every mock draft, and now you can't even get Mac Jones to make it to 24 anymore. So, I mean, what, what, the, you know, what do they do next? So you, you draft, you spend a draft pick on a, on a, um, you know, take a flyer on a developmental guy when you could get a, a position player that might actually be a starter for you in a year. You know, that's a that's a tough trade off to make. I know if you don't have a quarterback, you really don't have a chance in the NFL. But yeah, it's I, I, I said I would draft. I said if I were a general manager of an NFL team, I'd draft a quarterback every year. I mean, just 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 in case every, every quarterback you don't draft could be the next Tom Brady. You know, that's the I would I would always be adding quarterback talent just to see just to compare to what you already have. Um, but no, I don't I don't really look for Pittsburgh to do it this year. I don't know, Kurt. You mean you, you predicted Juju Smith Schuster was such a brilliant prediction. Mm-hmm. You got any other predictions for me? <laughs> you know, maybe going into the next week's show that I should keep my eye on. What what's coming? Oh man. No, no, I, I, I rub your crystal I ball, my man. That was a that was a great uh, that was a great pick. I think it's gonna be a quiet week. Yeah. I, I really think for Pittsburgh it's gonna be they're all out on the road doing pro days. I think it's gonna be a, a nice quiet week. Um They've announced a bunch of signings. Now they they're sitting on a little money, and I think the dust gonna gonna settle for a week or so, and we're probably gonna have a pretty quiet week going into you know once once we hit first part of April, then everything's the draft. You know we get through get through this next week, and then get to the first of April, and then everything is about who did you have a Zoom meeting with. So then then things will really start picking up. Absolutely, more draft talk coming up next week. Hopefully, less TMZ talk and more draft yeah. talk coming up next week. We'll talk to y'all then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.